Hey everyone, my name is Joe Zija. I'm the founder of Joe Zija's Voice Acting Academy. I've also been the voice of Claude and Fire Emblem Three Houses and Bumblebee and Transformers, and you're listening to the VoiceOver Champions Podcast. Change into VoiceOver Champions to save the VoiceOver world. Hello, everybody. This is VoiceOver Champions, a show about voice acting by voice actors, for voice actors, and fans of voice actors. I'm your host, Joshua Seth. My guest on today's show is Joe Z, and I talk to him about his voice acting academy. If you're active on social media and interested in voice acting, I'm sure you've seen his commercials. So this is not a commercial for the Voice Acting Academy. I just wanted to interview him about it, help you to make a decision if you're interested in it. And if you do decide to invest in the course as a listener to the VoiceOver Champions podcast, I can get you 25% off. Just scroll down in your podcast app on this episode, click the link in the show notes to the Voice Acting Academy, and then enter the coupon code Joshua25, and you'll instantly get 25% off your purchase. Plus, I'll get a commission, so that helps the show. And everybody wins! I've been at a Comic-Con every weekend for, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, eight or nine weekends here. Last weekend at the Ocean City Comic-Con in Maryland was fantastic. Got to hang out with my old buddy Johnny Young Bosch, who most people know as the second Black Power Ranger, but he actually also co-starred with me in most of the anime that I am known for. We both co-starred in Akira. He was Kaneda and I was Tetsuo. He came in to voice TK in Digimon during the Digimon Tri movies. Of course, he was Vash in Trigun, where I played Young Knives. And I could go on and on and on, so it was really good to reconnect with him, and I look forward to the two of us doing some Comic-Cons together in the near future. This weekend, I'm going to be appearing at the Hero Comic-Con in Fort Myers, Florida, and then I'm taking a week off, and I will be running my voice acting workshop where you can get coaching from me with a small group of just 10 people for three hours on Zoom. That'll be on Saturday May 13th, and you can register for that by going to voiceoverchampions.com or clicking the link in the show notes in your podcasting app. But that's coaching. That's something that you should do every once in a while to get input from someone who knows what they're talking about and has been in the business for decades, like myself. But what if you're just starting out and you need an overview of the voiceover industry itself to understand all the different types of work available to you, what kind of equipment you need, how to set it up, audition techniques, software recommendations, and basically all the nuts and bolts information that anyone needs to know in order to start to make a living as a voice actor. Well, that's what I talk to Josie about in today's episode. So let's get to it right now. How often do you get told that you look like John Krasinski? Usually Jim from The Office, but more like he is now in in Jack Ryan. Pretty much every day. Um, I actually had somebody come up to me at my daughter's school dance and was like, can I take a picture with you? And I was like, (laughs) oh boy, 
Uh, yeah, you know what? Like I get it a lot. I never thought of it myself, but I would say that most of the time, I've run a lot of Facebook ads for the course. I yeah. would say that like 50% of the comments on my ads are just pictures from the office. Really? Okay. Yeah, I actually had a little campaign uh, going where like I just riffed on it and I, there was an image and it said, the guy who looks like John Krasinski teaches you voice acting. You know, like that's right. what- Well, hey, look, I, at least he's a lovable character, right? Yeah, at right, least, he's not a jerk and- You, not you a don't look like a mob guy. boss or something. Right, yeah. yeah. You look like someone likable and trustworthy. So look, I'm just, I'm gonna say right here at the beginning of the podcast that I've been going through your course. I have never recommended anything on this podcast because part of the reason that I'm making this is it was so difficult for me to get started as a voice actor back in the 90s. There wasn't the glut of information that now exists online. It was sort of the opposite problem, right? It was really hard to find guidance and and get good info uh, now it's very easy you can just go on youtube or twitter and get a lot of info but most of it's uh bs most of it it's is bad. not necessarily yeah. helpful and it's and it's uh it's overwhelming people with information that is maybe not of the highest caliber so anywho when you like right when you launched this course i thought you know what let me check this out because i'm not going to make a course like this I, for the listeners of the podcast you know i do these hopefully monthly zoom workshops but like they're not even every month because of scheduling issues right. uh and they're very limited in terms of the numbers of people that can take them and i'm really just coaching in terms of the technique acting the acting part of voice acting which has to come first before any of the other stuff if you're going to have a career what you have put together here is is a real organized guide everything from mindset to building your booth to mastering microphone technique and technical skills and all that other stuff that that I am I'm not going to put together so I was really relieved as I started to go through the course that I actually enjoy it and I find it very well organized and I think it would be valuable for anyone who's serious about getting into this profession uh, to go through it because uh, what are you going to do otherwise like hunt around on the internet and hope that the advice that you're getting is good and try to assemble it piecemeal from a bunch of different places or this, or I don't know what the third option is. Uh, you could tell me I'm not aware of anything like this course that isn't, that isn't what I'm doing. That is just not coaching based, right. but is actually an overview of everything. Yeah. I mean, like I love coaching. I've used coaches a lot in, in my own career. But I was talking to somebody the other day and I was like, would you ever want to learn how to be a plumber one hour a week, right? Like if you're going to go one-on-one -on -one with a coach, um, you know, coaching is great for learning skills like, you know, playing piano and then you go practice at home or, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of thing or to help you with your game. But for the most part, like a coach is going to work on one piece of copy, two pieces of copy. Mm -hmm. um, and if there's, there's almost never any discussion of like, well, hey, what's a commercial versus a promo or like hey, how do I go find work? When am I ready for an agent? What agents are, you know, like all that kind of stuff. So there's mm -hmm. there's a whole realm of the voice acting business that A, nobody even knows about or talks about um, because everyone's like, well, I want to be in the next Pixar movie and that's all I can think of. And then you know? all they think of is animation anyway and they don't realize right. there's like a lot more to it. Yeah, There's tons. Like that is, that is such the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the, the voice acting industry and there are tons of ways to build a sustainable, lucrative career um, by yourself with, you know, your own equipment. Um, Actually, let's just jump into that. So there's a module in your course called Voice Acting 101, and mm -hmm. you 
break down different lessons. I'm looking at it right now. In fact, yeah, yeah. Let's do a screen share. We got uh, commercials, uh, like animation, yeah, yeah. interactive anime and dubbing, which are different than anime is different than prelay animation. And you've sub categorized those and yeah. audiobooks and e-learning. I don't think people know what e-learning is, by the way. E-learning is like e-learning is the best, man. It's it's long form content because every time, like every all of us have taken e-learning, right? If you've ever worked in the corporate world, you've sat at a desk and listened to someone narrate training to you that you have to take in order to stay current uh, in your skill, right? Somebody got paid for that. Why not you? Like that's really how how it kind of goes. And e-learning can be um, really well paid, uh, you know, like per per hour in the booth. Um, in some, in many cases, better than animation or better than I, gaming. I, I was you just going like, to say, I, I have always found that the less glamorous the voiceover work is, the more that it pays. Certainly. Like if you want to convert like dollars, minutes to dollars, I would say that the, the unsexy stuff, the unglamorous stuff will pay you way more um, yeah. than, you know, in anime or, or gaming or anything like and that. Part of that is there aren't a million people chasing it. There is also that. There's also a tremendous glut of work, right? You can only produce so many cartoons. Cartoons are expensive to make. Someone in an office writing a script or making a YouTube video that they want to sell their product or a Facebook ad or even commercials, like you can proliferate them at a hugely higher rate than you can a complicated $5 billion video game or, you know, multi-million dollar cartoon. The session fee doesn't have any relation to how many people are going to watch the product is the other thing too because right. corporate knee learning could be for a very small audience just within one particular organization but the fee that they pay uh, is going to be much higher than say anime that everybody wants to do and pays crap yeah it's the anime is the worst paying yeah. voiceover you can do period other than uh pot the new podcast contract is coming out so i don't know what that's going to look like but podcasts well, I, pay horribly i pay myself but, nothing for this podcast. Yeah, well you know what i mean like you know, like a radio <laughs> drama style podcast they don't pay well but anime right, pays right. the worst right. on like and, half. and you know i don't want to get too in the weeds on payment sure. because this is an art form and it is creative and there is some value to the idea of being a voice actor because it's a form of creative expression and you're compelled to do it and i love it However, if you are going to pursue it seriously, you have to make money or nobody's ever going to represent you because how are they going to justify 10% uh, of nothing, right? Right. And, and it's like I compare it a lot. Any, any artistic discipline or career, I compare it to like, like art, right? A graphic designer. Everybody wants, their, wants the, you know, the $20,000 payment so that they can hang their art in the Met. In the meantime, you're probably going to be designing album covers and brochures. Like you gotta, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you gotta have a diverse, um, flexible oh, yeah. career so that you don't approach your twenty thousand dollar met hanging from a position of desperation. You don't want to approach your animation auditions like I need this job because I can't. You know, you need to be diverse so that you can. It is that what you, you know. mean by portfolio diversity as being something important to voice actors that you work in oh, more yeah, than definitely. one area? I mean, you know, as, as well as I do, it's like, I, I know lots of folks that, you know, they come into to anime and they're like, I'm going to be a voice actor, but they can't quit their day jobs because all they want to do is this one That's small right. part of the industry. And there's so much more out there. So, you know, why not use the skills you have, the equipment you have to build a diverse career that will allow you to, again, not approach an audition from a position of desperation. Now, I will tell you, in my own career, everybody knows me as an anime voice actor, and that's great for conventions and things mm. and just a body of work. But where I made 
most of the money in my voice acting career was as a promo guy. And I don't even have a promo voice. It was just for like, you know, Saturday mornings kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but promo those were fantastic. Promo is a fantastic way yeah. to, to make a career. I know lots those of guys are five that figure contact contracts and you don't need oh, yeah. to do too many of them to make more than you'd make in an entire season or, or year of, yep. uh, of a show. Uh, you know, unless it's like a network animation show, but yeah. those are even more rare. So uh, this is all just to say that there's many different areas that ca you can go into as a voice actor. And I was happy to see you cover those all separately because I don't think most people even are aware that many of them uh, are l legitimate areas of the field to to focus on and go into. Yeah. And before before I close out this section of the podcast, where have you made most of your income as a voice actor throughout your, what, decade-long career? Corporate. Um, corporate Makes unsexy sense. stuff is the, the bottom baseline. It's my breadwinner. And those clients, once you make them, they tend to be extremely loyal, right? In, in shows and, uh, they end, you know, like your character no longer has anything to do. Um, commercials can only have so many run, but corporate clients, they come back to you over and over and over again to the point where there are some years where I don't audition for over 60% of my business. Mm -hmm. It just comes. So it's still that way. Even now you're still. Still oh yeah, doing yeah. I would work. never give it up. I love my corporate clients. How do you think AI is going to affect voice acting and specifically that area of voice acting? It, explainers, e-learning, corporate, yeah. that sort of thing. It's it's hard to say, but what I I will say is that people don't want it, uh, and I would say like clients don't want it. I see auditions now all the time that specifically say things like, "Please don't submit a text to speech." anything we're not interested like uh and there there are some government clients like I, I have a lot of government um you know national security clients that i work for that are like we will no longer work with you if you have given your voice to a machine because then it ends up being like a security issue for them mm -hmm. to manipulate your voice to sound like their company or their organization is saying stuff so it, yeah. it's it's that, a you crazy know, that's really interesting because it's like a yeah. vocal scan instead of a retinal scan Right. Um, there are some, I've seen auditions that are like, please submit this audition on camera so we know you're not a computer. Really? Uh, and I've gotten, I've been in sessions over the last couple of weeks where it was like, hey, uh, we tried this with AI and it was just horrible. Can you please help us, you know, unscrew this? So, you Yay. know, what the people, right? <laughs> that should what make people. For it, I don't know, but. Uh, sure. Right I mean, now, look, it's, it is going to just get better and better. But what you're saying is for now maybe don't be as concerned as people seem to be, at least on Twitter. Yeah, and I mean, I've seen engines. I've I've gotten behind the curtain in certain companies and seen what they can do and how. And I will say that, like, at this point, it takes you three times as long to manipulate a text-to-speech engine to get the performance you want. If you can get there, it will take you much, much longer than it will just to hire a guy, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'll, you know, because you have to inject emotion and inflection into the engine, which doesn't predict those sorts of things so until yeah. they become sentient right and then and then we're screwed so it doesn't really yeah. matter yeah <laughs> it's then we won't voice need money over... anymore because it will just be in, uh, yeah we will piano. just become batteries yeah. plugged into the matrix anyway so on against player piano so enjoy yourself till then kids right uh, now let's back up a little because i feel like we jumped right into the course without talking about you and who you are and what your origin story is i know you were in the military i know you're a musician how do any of these three, three things relate and how did you end up moving into voice acting from those other areas? I tell you what, man, like my career story has been super bizarre um, and none of it really makes any any sense. I spent 
this year of my life is the first year of my life that I've been in voice acting more than I have been in like counterterrorism. Um, so I, like I spent most of my adult life in the military as an intelligence officer for the Air Force. And I got out and worked for other government organizations doing similar things. Just like Jack Ryan. Yeah, right. There, there we go. Uh, yeah. oh, Jack yeah. Ryan-esque, a little less door kicking. Um, and uh, it was like one Saturday morning, I was on reserve duty. I was the only guy in the unit when I was, uh, I had transitioned out of active duty, was still doing reserves. And um, I was talking to a friend of mine online and I said, I've always wanted to try voice acting. And I'm thinking what everybody else is thinking, like I want to be in cartoons. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's like, well, you, you, my company used to hire voice over artists from here to do our marketing stuff. Why don't you check it out? So I checked it out. I had... I think like an $80 microphone. I had one in a music contest. It was a you know piece of garbage or whatever. And um, I kind of had a basic idea of how to hit record and make it sound decent. But I booked the first job I ever auditioned for, Whoa. which was like most people in the voice acting industry, a cartoon panda speaking Arabic to children. Speak Everyone's Arabic? I mean, I minored it in college and now I kind of forget. And I studied modern There's standard, right? Shwishwe. So like, yeah. Yeah, shwishwe. Uh, yeah. All of the... And that's it. And everyone's like, well, you speak like you're in a newspaper. Um, mm -hmm. But it was like, you know, it was a but you could order in a restaurant and get by in a public, uh, Maybe. public yeah. transportation. Um, it's been a long time, but it was like counting to 10 saying congratulations, good job, those sorts of things. And I was like, holy crap, someone just paid me a hundred bucks for 10 minutes mm -hmm. of my time. How right, right for a couple again? of minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then just like dove in and I was working like 16 hour days auditioning for everything I could find maximizing while, like my while you were overseas or while you were stationed somewhere I wasn't I was working for the government yeah but I was in the DC area um, uh, okay so like it was super super stressful and I was burning myself out but by the time around eight months of doing that happened I sat down with my employer and I was like I'm out earning you I mm. can't do this anymore uh, I can either go part-time or I can quit what would you like? And they were like, well, we think we could, you know, kind of shoehorn you in here part-time and you can transition out. I have a very gracious employer that kind of let me make a transition a little easier. It's good to be able to keep your day job for a while because this is a very feast and famine business and you right. may have a really good month and then it all goes away, at least for I a while. And, yeah, until you get established contacts and people that are calling you instead of the other way around. Yeah, I hate the Hollywood cliche of like, I moved to Hollywood with 25 cents in my pocket and a dream. And my response is, you're an idiot. Like, don't do yeah. that. You need right. you need stability because you, again, you don't want to approach any artistic endeavor desperate because they can smell it. Absolutely. Never approach an audition with any sense of need or even mm -hmm. want. You had a module in there about let it go. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Just... Treat the audition as a fun exercise, an opportunity to play, and then just forget about it. That's the only healthy way, I think, to do it. So that was like 10 years ago that you started, you made $100 as an Arabic-speaking <clears throat> panda, yep. and, and, and here we are today. Uh, did you have like a, like a moment where you had a, a big break or a realization that this is now what you, who you are and what you do? No, I, I think big breaks are a little bit of a myth uh, in our industry, but um, it was more like tracking my, like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm making money. Oh, wow, I'm making good money. Oh, wow, mm. I'm out earning my government job and I'm only doing it in three hours a day. Um, maybe I should, you know, make a transition. What do you think that you did or are doing that other voice actors do not that haven't been able to cross over into that full-time 
area? I think what really helped me was doing as much as I possibly could without any permission. Because I had no acting background, I'd never acted in my life. I had no Did you never knowledge. get training even, even later once you started doing it? Not really. I still, I've mm -hmm. taken one acting class in my life. It was okay. And that was about it. I mean, I've taken workshops with casting directors, but I've never That's studied training. acting. Yeah. Okay. Well, you, those are two different things, right? One is technique. Right. And the other is learning to emote, learning to get out of your head, giving you right. like a, a, a toolbox to go into when you yeah. need to access different emotions and styles. Right. So like without, you know, in some ways it's helpful to have a background like that, but it's also can be very helpful not to have a background like that because I didn't know the rules, right? The rules mm -hmm. are things like you need a demo, you need an agent, you need this, you need to wait until you're ready to get a demo. You need so much coaching before you can do this. I had no idea. So I did everything I could as soon as I could. And I was mm -hmm. submitting dozens of auditions a week. Um, didn't matter if they fit me. It didn't matter. Uh, you know, it was just like experience behind the microphone as fast as I possibly could. It's like a stand-up comedian. There is no substitute for stage time and right. you don't get better just taking classes. I think it's, it's important to get a seasoned ear on what it is that you're doing at some point. And yeah. if you want the bigger gigs, I think you do need an agent. I think that's still the case that yes. like, you're going to miss out on big opportunities without one, but nobody starts there. Uh, Tony Robbins has a saying, fail forward fast. Fail forward that's fast. basically what you're saying that you did. I noticed in your Facebook group for your course, a lot of posts about people seeming to have, have hesitation about submitting their auditions online where nobody's, nobody knows them and half of them aren't even going to be heard. What's that all about? Where they're like, I, you know, I, I've been a member of Voices.com for a month and I just submitted my first audition. Why are they not taking the opportunity to practice and get better by doing it iteratively over and over. What is that hesitation all about? You know, I think it's a part of the human condition, right? Like we're all worried about being judged and it's not, it's not as easy. Like I'm flippant about it a lot, but it's not necessarily easy to free yourself from the fear of judgment, right? It's just and, ego. But, yeah, it is. It is it's just it ego. Is. Think, thinking that people care. No, listen, people, nobody thinks about you. Okay. Maybe I, your mom cares about you. Nobody really cares about you. Half the people aren't going to listen to the audition and half the people that do listen, aren't going to listen past the first five seconds anyway. So just so get just over yourself and, and submit it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's also the other element of like leading a horse to water and not making a drink. I, I, I'm the reason I start with the mentality module is to try to um, circumvent that issue. So mm -hmm. you know, uh, I, I don't know. Go back. Th those folks definitely need to go back and, and rewatch module two and module seventeen, which is all about workflow and getting exponential experience and stuff like that. So this is a question that you submitted to me to ask you. But I think it's a good one. Okay. What experience do you have teaching complex topics like these? Does this come from your military background and training? It actually does. Um, one of my, you know, like the military isn't such a simple streamlined job description, right? I was an intelligence officer, but that means a lot of different things. And one of the things I did uh, as an intelligence officer was design and implement um, training programs for like massive exercises, like joint exercises between the United States and other countries trying to achieve objectives. So mm. I had a lot of experience um, organizing like, hey, I want to teach people this. How do I do that in, in this framework? Uh, and also I was an instructor um, teaching new airmen some like, you know, 
radar theory and and other topics that like aren't super simple and not super easy to understand and, and trying to, to break them down into like how to understand, you know, how a, a missile tracks and targets an airplane is extremely complex, but you can break it down into something analogous because that, you know, that young airman doesn't need to know the beeps and squeaks. And I probably don't know them either, but if I can take it and make it analogous to something that they can understand, they can take that knowledge and implement it. And I think mm -hmm. basically like my experience as a trainer in the military helped me put this together. And I get a lot of feedback that's like, man, you really took this topic and, and distilled it down. And it's like this bite you break everything trunk. down. Yeah. yeah. Like it's like, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Exactly. Yes. That's, that's what you're doing in there. Do you, by the way, for as a content, creator on your social media as well as the course do you have a team of people helping you or just one person or are you just outsourcing to the philippines or like what's how how are you making this all happen because there's no way anybody has enough time it looks like everything was scripted too yes so i scripted and shot everything that mm -hmm. was all me um after it was scripted and shot and i have like uh, this is actually a principle that i teach in workflow if it doesn't involve my physical personal presence i didn't want to do it so mm -hmm. it was like, as soon as I finished something, like I needed a script and I needed to shoot because I needed to be mm -hmm. on camera and teaching what I knew. Um, I passed it off to a team of about five or six editors that I sourced from various things, which were some of them had helped me with my Twitch channel. Um, some of them had uh, were personal referrals. Some of them were from like music friends and stuff like that. So it was kind of like uh, a lot of serendipitous relationships. You know, I, I took too. a course on creating courses before I created my course. Um, again, like, you know, the universe works in, in funny ways. I had taken lots of e-learning courses on different things. Like if I was ever interested, like I wanted to learn how to shoot camera, like I, photography, right? Mm. Plenty of resources out there. Um, or like how to, you know, use YouTube's algorithm system, different things like that. I've taken lots mm. of them. But one of them I took was 14 Day Filmmaker, which is um, a course in like filmmaking, but like how to do it quickly and very like I was reviewing my filmmaking skills. Uh, mm -hmm. And that team also had a course creation course, which I opted into and found it super helpful. Um, so yeah, you know, you never do anything in a vacuum. I had lots of help and guidance and, but also a lot of like uh, luck, you know, like luck just kind of, it all fell into place. I think the big takeaway there is don't try to do everything yourself. And yeah, you'll burn out. Voice actors exist in a literal silo, a literal soundproof box. So it it is normal for us to think, well, you know, we're we're lone wolves. We could just do everything ourselves, but you can only get so far that way. Yeah, my team was about eight at the end of it. I would say between wow. some editors, I had some volunteers helping me with the the Facebook group, um, and I had like a graphic designer and uh, my assistant uh, mm -hmm. my, who helps me with everything, uh, who's yeah. fantastic. So yeah, probably about eight to 10 people. Is it the promotion of the course that's gotten you such a big following across social media or was it being in Fire Emblem or what is it that blew, like I just saw this morning where you have like a half a million followers on TikTok and yeah. 100,000 here, 100,000 there. They probably overlap, but it's a lot of people. Was it Fire Emblem? Was it the course uh, advertising or something else? Believe it or not, each of those platforms 
um, following has come from a different source, which I love because mm. they, are, they are different audiences. Yes, there's crossover. I would say that like my Twitter following is very Fire Emblem oriented, although it's expanded for different reasons. My YouTube following mostly came from a couple of sketches I did basically making fun of anime uh, or making fun of voice acting. I saw one of those. That was great yeah. about the, you know, give us a, a grunt react, a grunt with a stick that. through his, yeah. 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 That is, so, and like, that is exactly those. what you do, at least for video games. Exactly. And that mm -hmm. basically built the YouTube following. The TikTok following um, was a uh, sort of like a formulaic, here's how to do a voice TikToks, right? So like if I'm breaking down, like here's how to do Reaper from Overwatch, right? And it's like mm -hmm. 30 seconds of me very simply like showing you how I can change this voice into that voice. I've seen um, those show up on Instagram. Do they not track as well on Instagram? Uh, they don't do as well on Instagram, although they've done pretty well. Um, you know, like SEO and algorithms and social media platforms is its own, it's its own discipline. Uh, but yeah, like the TikTok following mostly came from that and had nothing to do with Fire Emblem. Fire Emblem content didn't do well on TikTok. Um, so yeah, it's all kind of different. So you're just experimenting and seeing what hits and making more of that. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what I do on every platform. So what motivated you to create this course in the first place? Um, I had been getting lots of requests over many years to do coaching and teach people. And I just, um, like I, I'm decent at it the one-on-one -on -one coaching, but it just didn't, it didn't light the spark for me. You know, like I didn't, I didn't mm -hmm. enjoy it. A lot of coaches really enjoy it. They like getting I do in not, there. I do not enjoy it. I only do it because I know it's helpful for people. I enjoy that aspect of it, but it's just, I'm kind of exhausted after I do it. Yeah, I get it. It is, it is exhausting. And it's mm -hmm. also, um, as far as like, it, it, it's a huge drain on time, right? It's, yeah, I'm, it is. And you're is. and you're being it's like it's like performance level because you're sitting there listening very attentively to try and give yes. helpful feedback for hours at a time. I guess that's what directors do. But then directors are working with people that already know who they are on the mic. Right. But like and, there's a baseline of what I would teach anybody that I would teach that the same way to every mm, person. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's not necessarily like you know, how to sound like this character in this script. Um, and then I kind of, uh, I got the idea from, well, an, a, a colleague of mine was like, you should teach. And I was like, I don't really want to. And then a couple months later, I kind of got the idea that like, well, what if I package this in something that's passive that doesn't require my presence? Because that's, you know, like I, it, it would violate my own principles of, of workflow and, and right. efficient to have to do it over and over to have to yeah. do it over and over. So mm -hmm. I was like, what can I make that's static, but I can tweak and update it as I'd like to. Um, and I was like, well, I took all these courses. It's I could just do that. Um, yeah. And so that's how the courses. It, it's only been out for a few months at this point. How many people have gone through it? Uh, you know, it's hard to say how many people have gone through it. I or can tell you gone, like, or at least started it. Let's say we're well into the, over a thousand students have have jumped in there. Uh, and, yeah, that's um, that's a lot. That's amazing. It's a lot. It it. Yeah. So many more people signed up than I ever in a million years thought they would. Uh, and people are just having a great time. Like it's, uh, it's, it's spawned its own little like community. Uh, and it's been fantastic to see just this massive volume of people having fun, booking work uh, and connecting with each other. It is important to have those connections and sense of community. Because again, as especially with remote voice recording, it's even more isolating. I found oh, it isolating. Oh, oh. 
I found it isolating when I lived in LA and was doing this because even if you're showing up at a studio to work on a project with other people, you're all right. in booth. You're all in a booth set. You know, unless you're doing prelay animation and you're lucky enough, you know, to do some improv on mic for a little. But it's like a day. Like, there's really no community around it unless you. Well, that's one of the reasons I like doing the conventions now is you get to hang right. out with the voice actors uh, at the conventions. But, you know, a Facebook community is a way to to start to build those relationships with other people that, you know, perhaps live in your area uh, or are going through the process in the same way that you are at the same level. Yeah. And the Facebook group kind of becomes its own machine. Um, there's, you know, like instead of trying to find me to ask a question, hey, what material should I use to build this section of my booth? There are 30 people who have done that same thing and there are 30 mm -hmm. different ideas and some of them are better than my ideas. You know, like yeah. you, there's something to be said for hive-minding some of these thoughts. Um, and then the, just the, the mutual support, people saying like, hey, I'm feeling bummed out today and just encouraging each other. It's, it's been a really cool group. Yeah, I don't get that part either. Like this is a marathon, not a sprint. It doesn't really matter how you feel today. This is a yeah. long-term game. Yeah. I was in LA for seven years before I was making a living at it. Mm -hmm. I was I was making a living as a magician and <laughs> up at the Magic Castle and doing parties. Oh, I, was just, on... I literally was there last night. I went, oh, that's well, one of my favorite places. Ne next time you go in the bar downstairs, look at that big winner's cup. My name's front and center. On oh, it. no I, way. I didn't know so, that. So aside from obviously taking your course, what advice do you have for people that want to get into voiceovers now? Um, I mean, I alluded to this a little bit earlier, but like, stop waiting for permission, right? Like the the idea that I, I talk to actors, I mean, I talk to seasoned actors that are like, oh, I just, you know, like I, I gotta, I gotta, you know, I need a, I need an agent, I need a different agent, or I need, you know, my advice for, for anybody is you will always be the best and most passionate advocate for your career. So you have to take ownership. You don't have to be go shy. Yeah, don't be shy. Don't wait for opportunities to come to you. Go do. Uh, one of my, one of my, uh, lessons is called ready, set, go versus go, 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 go. You have to iterate as you go. Um, don't yes. prepare. Create, create, see, because you're a musician, you get that. I know that's why, because that's yeah. how music works. Like it, things emerge as a result of the same in magic. Things emerge as a result of practice that, that wouldn't uh, appear otherwise. And you just have to do the thing over and over and over to not only get better, but find those new little branches that start to appear. Right. Like the Beatles, right? I t I, the Beatles, um, they were a, f a phenomenon, not because they were individually. Who is this? You know, the like, Beatles? I'm going to. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'm look showing, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> they They're were a, a phenomenon. Okay. Wait, I'm going to look them up. But what about them? Uh, they like they didn't get famous because they were individually incredibly talented or because like someone waved a magic wand and gave, you know, Paul McCartney, the best songwriting skills in the world, they played live every day, yes. eight times a week, over yes. and over and over again until they had so much exponential experience because they took each gig into the next gig. They had so much experience that eventually when they went live on stage, they were perfect because they had done it so many they, times before. They I heard they played in pubs like for a, like like thousands of shows basically in pubs before yeah. they ever made an album. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so do lots and lots of auditions do. and stop Go worrying do. about, I feel bad because I didn't book this audition. That's hardly the point. The point is do it a lot over Go and over. Go do it a lot. Yeah. All right. 
It's time for the lightning round. Is there a role you've always wanted to voice? Um, I would love Time's to be up. the main character. Who's your favorite voice actor? Uh, you. Correct. Who's a voice actor you'd love to work with? Um... I don't know. Uh, I've worked with so many. Uh, Time's up. Like, have... Okay, go ahead. What's your favorite voiceover role that you've done? Duke Detain in Lego City Adventures. What's a project you'd love to work on? I would love to work on a Naughty Dog original IP or like Persona 6. And because you sucked up to me and said I'm your favorite voice actor, I'll give you another shot. Is there a role you've always wanted to voice? I would love to be uh, in Assassin's Creed. Like, I'd love to be the main dude in an Assassin's Creed game. And that has been the lightning round. Fantastic. And now it's time to talk tech, but make it sexy. Yeah, all right. <clears throat> so tell us about your voiceover booth. My booth is constructed on a concrete slab. A concrete slab. A concrete slab with a floating ceiling designed and implemented by George Woodham, one of the tech guys here in Los Angeles and built by Corey Eve. It's, uh, hey now, that's a hey. lot of info. When that's did you get it? Did you say when? Yeah. I built it in 2018. With your own two hands. No, I hired other people to build it for me because I suck at building things. What's in it? Well, right now, there's a monitor that mirrors the monitor that I'm looking at right now. There's a keyboard, a mouse, microphone, preamp, a little piece of furniture to hold it all, and my mic cabinet, and a bookshelf. That's no information whatsoever. That's LTMI. Lack of too much information. What kind of mics? There's a 416 and a U87 clone that I love. There's an Avalon 737SP preamp, which is mostly unnecessary, but I like having it anyway. He likes it. All right there. Oh, well, what's your DAW? I use Persona Studio One. I used Cubase Ooh. for many years and then left. Fancy. And this has been Tech Talk, but sexy. Yeah. And now it's time for questions from the fans. Sweet. <clears throat> now I should warn you, I never look at these ahead of time. Keeps it fresh, Perfect. keeps it fun. So uh, let's go to uh, Twitter because everybody's so nice on Twitter. Let's see. On Twitter, Edward Saba asks, what's something every voice actor should be aware of and prepared for mentally when entering the career? Incredible amounts of uh, not booking work. I mean, if you book five to six percent of the auditions that you audition, you're a star. Like if you book ten percent, two percent. I booked two percent like when I started. One out of 50. yeah. I booked. Yeah. I booked four percent when I was aggregating over like a couple of years. I was like, I think I booked four percent, and it was like I was. That's considered ridiculously successful. Um, yeah. So have a lot of patience with yourself because you will not book the vast, vast vast majority of the auditions that you submit for. Yep, that is great advice because it's honest. All right, next over on Instagram, let's do a quick refresh. And do you have any personal favorite Pokemon, asks a Disney mom. 
I like Psyduck only because I like the sound that it makes. It sounds ridiculous. Um, but otherwise, what's I don't the know sound? Can you do it? It's like, I'm sure Psyduck. <laughs> like it's yeah. it's really really quite silly. Yeah, that would get annoying. Okay. All right, and that has been questions from the fans. And finally, a little game I like to play called Break the NDA. <laughs> what are you working on now? Uh, I literally can't talk about anything I'm working on. That's, that's I'm, hoping, I'm hoping somebody will someday, I'll have breaking news, right? It's, but everybody's uh, tight-lipped about all. What's next for you? Suzume, uh, which is like... Mm. Um, uh, a pretty it was the highest grossing film in japan last year uh it got an english dub and it's getting a full u.s theater release uh and i play one of the characters in that movie like i'm actually gonna go see it in the theater i unfortunately missed i was invited to the red carpet premiere sony's red carpet premiere of the movie but i was uh spring break with my kids yeah um, well, kids come first how many kids, kids? Come first. say again how many kids two nine and five both girls Oh, awesome. I have uh, two, nine, and 11, one of each. Nice. Yeah. Um, my but my... Sunday is coming out on Friday, and so I'm going to go, like, I'm going to go see it. Um, I'm very excited. Awesome. So check that one out. And uh, do you have any convention appearances coming up? I have Otakuthon this August, uh, which is in Montreal. Uh, and there are a that's couple- That's in Canada, that are... kids. Yeah, that's in Canada. Uh, yeah. But otherwise, like this year is really, really, really busy with a lot of personal stuff. So I'm not aggressively pursuing conventions at, for 2023. Like I'm, I'm, no. I feel like I'm traveling three times yeah. a month. For different, yeah. And where can people find you? I'm pretty much the only Joe Zija around. Uh, so like if you type that into Google, you're going to get it everywhere. My handles everywhere are at Joe Zija on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Perfect. And just scroll down in whatever podcast app you are listening to and that will be there in the show notes along with a link to joe's voice acting academy that is i should say an, an affiliate link it'll help to support this show but i wouldn't have had him on if i didn't believe in the course itself joe i think you've done a great job with this i think it's going to help a lot of people and i'm happy that, thank you to help promote it so thanks for coming on the show thanks for having me it's been a lot of fun All right, I hope you enjoyed that interview. And if you have decided to get the Voice Acting Academy for yourself, remember to use the link in the show notes right there in the description for this episode and use coupon code JOSHUA25 to get 25% off your purchase. Thanks for listening.